1: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You mean to wish me a good morning? What do you mean that it is a good morning, whether I want it or not?
2: Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God.
3: You're sending my kid in as bait? You better
4: believe I'll be the one taking that shot.
5: Yep. Them's fighting words, and uh, you're also listening to Good Movie Monday, the weekly podcast presented by Fakeshemp.net. How the heck are you? I hope you're prepared for another episode of fun and frivolity, because we've got a ripper one lined up for you. Just as that intro suggested, we're going to be talking about some of our favourite director video action franchises, and to help us do that, actor Chad Michael Collins will be crashing the show to discuss his starring role in the Everlasting Sniper series, That one is right up there amongst my favourites, I can't wait to talk about it, but before I go any further, I can't keep rambling without introducing Ben Helwig, the guy riding shotgun with a tattered and weathered Malways, trying to figure out where the hell we are. Hey mate, how's things this
4: week? Yeah, pretty good, I'm uh, looking forward to fun and frivolity.
5: aren't we all? I'm sure everybody is. As per usual, we'll be bringing you all of the latest movie news, physical entertainment releases, and a movie review, thanks to Guillermo from Screen Realm, Jarrett from Monster Fest, and Adam from the Australian Film Critics Association, as well as those Bonehead Weekly guys. They'll be around for some of their fun-sized frivolity. That's probably going to be the word for the show, mate. (laughs) It's
4: the word of the day. The word of the day.
5: (laughs) We need a magic belt or something and make a drinking game of it.
4: Yeah, let's do it. I've got, oh no, I've, the bell's in the office. I've got a bell. <laughs> you have a bell? I've got a bell, but it's in the office for every time I have to, uh, I get a sale. I ring it and uh, say Serenity Now.
5: <laughs> so it's not like every time you want a burrito or anything like that?
4: Uh, no. like if, if we had a service that would bring me a burrito every time I rang a bell, then uh, that would be the most amazing thing in the world. But unfortunately, <laughs> the, uh, the Monster Fest budget does not stretch quite that far.
5: Well, anyway, uh, there's lots to talk about, so let's get cracking. Uh, we're actually going to start off with the sad news of Chadwick Boseman's passing. Ben, what, what the hell is it with this show? No sooner do we hit stop on recording and some celebrity goes and passes away, which of course means by the time that we report the news, it's almost a week old.
4: I oh, know. You'd think that they were doing it on purpose just to spite us.
5: Oh man! Well, nevertheless, this is this is awful news, and I think I was blindsided, and I think the entire world was pretty much blindsided. Um, there's no secret that I I actually hated Black Panther. I really despised it, <laughs> but you know, obviously, it's a movie that shot into stardom, and, and that's not to say I don't recognise the impact that it had or the significance that a lot of people place upon it. He was a really good actor. I mean, from all accounts, a great human being too. Forty-one years old's too young. He was good in uh, Get On Up. He was great in um, Forty One, and then Twenty One Bridges. That that last film he did was that's my type of movie. I'm a sucker for those, and that one was really rad.
4: And what was that Netflix one he did? Um, that something to the the King or whatever it was, where he comes, where he travels to America to find out what had happened to his sister. That was pretty good. I can't remember what that's called.
5: I I don't remember that either. I haven't watched it though. I think I remember the uh the the poster art, the thumbnail art. Um, anyway.
4: Yeah, but look, it's, I mean, there is there is a bit of a trend because he had, had apparently had been sick for something like four or five years, uh, yeah. which is about the kind of life expectancy of, of that particular kind of cancer. Uh, but he kept it completely secret. It was the same as Kelly Preston, who had, you know, had, had breast cancer for, for quite some time and, and kept it secret. So, you know, I guess, I guess that, you know, I guess in today's, uh, era of uh, constant media scrutiny; these people have have actually decided to keep uh, this stuff private, and successfully have kept it private. And so now we're all completely, you know, um, taken by surprise when when they pass.
5: Yeah, I was reading just on um, just last week uh, that the reason he didn't tell Disney or Marvel um, was because he was confident he had. Eat it and was on the road to recovery or at least would be well enough to make a sequel um and it wasn't until the final two or three weeks that he realized the severity of what he had so it's sad look you know
4: yeah no i mean that's what happens with cancer it can um you go downhill and heal pretty fast when it um when it kind of when the time comes um and i guess no one can predict the future it's a you know, I mean, look, I, I don't, I wouldn't have told Disney if I was him. Even if I didn't think I was going to make it, I would have been. I would have taken that job and and clung onto it with uh, with my two yeah, hands and to hell, I, to hell with the franchise.
5: I mean, I, I can't help but think that Disney wouldn't have been too nice about it either.
4: No, I can't imagine they wouldn't have cast him in the first place. No way.
5: Exactly right. Um, anyway, um, not to be negative for the whole show, so you know. We are a movie show and it would be uh, disingenuous for us to not pay our respects to someone as influential and decent as Chadwick Boseman. Very sad news.
2: Seven years ago, Nick Styles put him away for life. Boston, you made me famous. Now, he's watching. I got things to live for. And waiting. Somebody's laughing, I can hear it in my blood. For revenge. Now we're even, is that it? We're not even close. Come on!
5: So do you know what that TV spot was advertising? guess you're going to have to keep listening because there are new release movies up for grabs and later on in the show, we'll tell you how to win them. But now let's lift the mood and bring the show back up to that frivolous state that I promised a few minutes ago. Dude, what's caught your eye this week?
4: Uh, well, uh, like this week, for, like luckily enough, is, has been the beginning of uh, my favourite time of the year uh, in terms of uh, Instagram and VHSing. And that is the hashtag VHS September. Uh, I guess hashtag. I guess for, for lack of a better word, I have to say that twice. Um, it's run by these uh, two two accounts, VHS and Kill and Dead Video Media. And basically, what they do is they they give you a list of thirty kind of categories, and each day you post a VHS in your collection uh, that relates to that category. So the first day uh uh so september 1st was school is out for murder and people were posting um like stuff like cutting class and i think i put up mortuary academy and all this kind of cool stuff and so like and so each day so there was school school is out for murder a taste for flesh street justice uh was one killer smile uh alien bff robo romance is one of the categories uh what would bruce willis do um these things are like they're just a whole lot of fun, and you get to see some amazing tapes. Like, especially like, you know, we get some interesting stuff here in Australia, but nothing like the weird, and bizarre crap that they got in in the states uh, on on tape. And so you get to see some some absolutely re- uh, remarkable stuff. So um, yeah, if you're if you're on Instagram, I highly recommend jumping on and following the hashtag VHS September Only One S. It's
5: funny though because like VHS September, it looks great. In print, you know, because the VHS Eptember, but when you say it, yeah, it doesn't
4: work out that well. No, no,
5: (laughs) but like, this is my kind of time, dude. This is exciting. Like the American VHS, though, like it was all bloody cardboard sleeves and it wasn't as exciting as what we had.
4: Yeah, look, I I have to say that uh, I'm I was dead set against the kind of slip, the slip, the American slips, uh, at the start, but now. Like I, that I see more and more of it and more of the weird and bizarre stuff, um, the more I'm kind of starting to dig it. And just, it, it is it is a lot handier the way that they stack up. Like you can pile those <laughs> yeah. babies up nice and neat uh, and they true. do look really good on a shelf. Like they're about, they're basically DVD, DVD size rather than the, the Australian VHS tapes, which in the big boxes and the especially the roadshow clamshells, um, which were huge um so you do you know it does help you cram a lot more in and when you're like me and you've got a collection of you know three or four thousand uh space is definitely a concern Uh, but they do like on a practical point of view they are the stupidest thing i've ever seen like they literally you pick one up and it slips right out of the case like i mean if that's not a recipe for disaster i don't know what is
5: (laughs) my years when i was living in canada were still the vhs years and the video stores over there for new releases on the shelf, you know, you'd face them out and inside the display case, they'd all have like a big brick of styrofoam inside just to sort of keep them solid.
4: Right. Yeah. Oh, clever. Yeah. Oh, because they kept and the cases behind the counter. I never even thought of that.
5: Yep. Yep. So and, and, about but that. the cases that you would, you would hire them in or rent them in were the kind of cases we had, you know, the plastic
4: right ah, like so like back in the yeah. day like video flash and stuff used to do where you'd get the like the kind of the sell-through size case with a yes a printed video flash cover so you you couldn't you, you had to like memorize the back of the cover and know exactly what it is that you're looking at before you took yep. it home because you would never get to, you wouldn't get to look it up again these were this was before the internet too so if you didn't know <laughs> what uh, offerings was when you hired it uh, you were, the only way to find out was by actually watching it
5: yep Exactly right, oh, mate. I love the nostalgia that we uh we trip fantastic on this show. It's great.
4: It's a it's a rabbit hole that I am more than happy to have fallen down.
5: Excellent. Well, let's move on to more of that fun stuff. Um, but first, we'll let Jarrett have his time, and and uh, then after that, we'll uh, we'll have a good yak
0: about some DTV action movies. Hey, this is Jarrett, and welcome to PE class. Now it's another odd week for home entertainment this week, as there's only one distributor releasing films on disc. That distributors roadshow and first up they've got bad education. Now this film is getting only a DVD release. It's a surprisingly funny drama from HBO Films with Hugh Jackman and Allison Janney. It's inspired by true events and features another standout performance from Jackman. The film itself surrounds the single largest public school embezzlement scandal in American history. And no, it's not that recent one with Lori Loughlin. Now what stars John Malkovich, Michael Douglas and Tony Collette, it's been shelved locally since 2017, and it's bound for a DVD only release, well it's the critically panned Unlocked. Now this is a film that concerns a biological terrorist attack on London, and it seems like apt timing for it to be released on disc. Then lastly from Roadshow is their only title that's coming out on DVD and Blu-ray. It's a new entry in the animated world of the DC Universe, Superman, Man of Tomorrow. And it's like Ryan Murphy produced this effort, as you've got Darren Criss voicing Clark Kent slash Superman, and Zachary Quinto voicing Lex Luthor. So that's it for new releases this week, however, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the news that Umbrella will be releasing Monkey the Complete series to Blu-ray in October. That's right, both seasons of Monkey, and it includes, I think it's 13 or 14 lost episodes that were redubbed by the original English voice cast back in 2004. So this is the absolute definitive Monkey release, and it's going to be in high definition. It's headed to disc this October, and when it releases, I'll have a few more details to share with you. So until next time, stay physical.
5: You know what, dude? A lot of people associate me with horror movies, and I have this like weird reputation for loving second-rate sequels, which is completely true. Like, guilty as charged. Uh, but most people probably don't know that, you know, DTV—that being director, video, action movies—are much more my thing. Like, they're my favorite thing on earth. I think your jam. Particularly the franchise ones that sort of you know become progressively poorer as it goes yeah, on. The, I don't know why. The
4: budgets go down and the uh, stars become uh, less and less well known.
5: I mean, what about you? I'm sure you're the same. I mean, you know, if you're already on Tim Wynorski and Sidaris, then you you can't not be a fan of these type of movies.
4: No, I love I love a good uh, part four, five, or six of a of a franchise when things get really weird when like no one's watching and <laughs> So no, the people who pay for them aren't really paying attention. They just need, they just need more grist for the, usually the VHS mill. Uh, a lot less so in, in the kind of DVD days, but it was big, this big thing in the, in the drop from drive to, to VHS where they were like, you know, kickboxer that did well, let's make five more of them. And even if they only have a tenuous link to the well, uh, first one.
5: Well, Okay, you brought that up, so Kickboxer, that's where we're going to start. Um, All right. This is a franchise I love, like you said. There are 5 installments in the original series plus 3 remake sort of, you know, installments. Guess,
4: uh, does the are the other are Kickboxer remakes do they lead into American Kickboxer or was American Kickboxer its own weird side franchise?
5: No, no, the the um the kickboxer uh the new remake trilogy is new, like as in 2017,
4: 2018. Oh yeah, no, I've, yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: No. no, I'm talking about no the um, original
4: one, but there was there was there was another franchise called American yes. Kickboxer.
5: No relation. No
4: relation at all. Okay.
5: No, so um, just cashing in on the name. I I just I really adore this one, the Sloan saga. I'll call it is number one to five. It's great stuff, and on a rare occasion, in my opinion, the second instalment here is far superior to the first. Very few people will agree with me. <laughs> uh, but, hey, it's also my favourite Albert Pune film, so, you know, there's that. There's that. Um, all pretty strong sequels. The fourth one is probably The Weakest Link, which is also an Albert Pune film. But uh, part five is the real real doozy here. It's really overlooked and underrated, but I absolutely love it. It's got Mark Dacascus in it, and...
4: He's always value for money, Mark
5: DeCasas. Mate, it gets to the point in the series where the obviously the lead characters from previous installments don't come back, so they invent a new character, and and the the link is so minute that he's just the best friend. Yeah, you know who who just sort of decides to open up a, a kickboxing dojo or whatever it's called. Just because his mate was you know because
4: why not and just gets into random trouble i mean that was the thing I, I love it like so many of these franchises are based off van damme films like far less so than than like uh, schwarzenegger or stallone but van damme yep. seemed to be the king of these of the starring in the first of the franchise like the blood sport spin-offs yep. i mean like the second the second one take place in a prison like he's uh... no, that was the fourth one. The, the fourth, fourth one? one was in the prison. No, yeah. I thought what's the second one then for Bloodsport? I thought Bloodsport. The second Dark, one was the no,
5: uh... the fourth one. The fourth one's called Dark Kumite, but the second one has Pat Morita from you know Mr. Miyagi, um, <laughs> and it's got da- Daniel Bernhardt, I think his name is, and he's a he's a Van Dam lookalike, and it's practically the same story. He goes back to the original Kumite
4: to the Kumite, yeah, to uh, to. Uh to win the title for his Shidoshi Shidoshi that he just won the year (laughs) before. Like, who's he proving it to? Do the military military try and stop him?
5: I can't remember. But the the absurd thing about it is in number two and three, he plays the same character. And then in number four, which is the prison one, he plays a completely
4: different character. It's the same same actor.
5: Yeah, Yeah, in the same universe. In the same
4: universe, yeah.
5: Yeah, oh, just completely bonkers, mate. But that, I, I do kind of like the the Bloodsport ones are really low rent. You know, yeah, when totally. it comes to that kind of thing.
4: Like and like it always, it always. I never understood why they continued Bloodsport. I mean, Bloodsport, the concept of of a kind of a to the death tournament is fine. And I always thought the quest was basically, you know, Bloodsport a, re, a reboot of Bloodsport. With Van Dam, just you know, twenty years directing, yeah, with Van Dam directing, just twenty years later, or or however however much later it was, but um, uh, the uh, was it? it was called Wrong Bet uh, here in Australia, but in the US it was uh called Lionheart, and which yep. makes a lot more sense because in the movie they're constantly calling him Lionheart and calling out Lionheart and all <laughs> there's lots of Lionheart references, um, but that one didn't seem to spawn uh didn't seem to evolve into any uh. Uh, kind of franchise and that that was the one that naturally led into it because the whole thing's about these underground fights like so yep. easy to just plug in another you know to get that guy from step by step to kind of <laughs> to to be in it or uh <laughs>
5: sasha, mitchell. sasha
4: mitchell from uh was he he was in the uh was he in the american ninja kickboxes he was in, no, the, he in the kickbox
5: he's, he's david sloan and you know we better not speak too poorly of him because i am trying
4: to get him on the show no i look i love him i mean he he was <laughs> I love step by step, and I um I thoroughly liked all his. Uh, uh, he, sp- he seemed to spend a lot of time in trailer parks in his action movies. He's always like a trailer park guy, uh, who uh, happened mate, to be an awesome martial artist.
5: Yeah, he's really big and buff now, like really burly, right? But strong. He's a real strong kind of like a Stallone kind of buff and burly.
4: Right. So not Cody. He's not Cody. He's not Uncle Cody anymore. No, he's not. Uh. No, he's not. Oh, you know, I saw Um, um, Patrick Duffy in one of those uh, Hallmark movies that I've been watching (laughs) recently, and he is not—he is not uh, the dad from Step by Step either anymore. He's—he's changed dramatically as well. So,
5: oh, Patrick Duffy, onwards and upwards. There's someone I haven't thought about in eons.
4: No, the last time—the last before this movie, the last time I thought about him was when he was in that episode of uh, Family Guy where they blow up the nuclear plant and he wakes up with Suzanne Summers from bed as if it was a a dream on Step by Step. (laughs) It's like I just had a terrible dream that Family Guy blew up the nuclear power plant.
5: Oh man! Anyway, <laughs> here's a few more that, in my opinion, are the later sequels are kind of better than the the early ones. Uh, you got the Universal Soldier. That's an interesting franchise.
4: Yeah, look, that's not hard. I I I never liked the original Universal Soldier, which I know is going to earn me a lot of strange looks. But uh, mm. I much preferred the kind of the the later reboot when they brought back. Both Van Damme and um,
5: yeah, the, the, uh, the what's his name, Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, the last two films were directed by Peter Hyams. Son, I can't remember what his first name is. They are brutal and they are
4: excellent. You no, know, and is it TV movies was it the third one? Was a third one that had that, yep. that starred Chandra West or was she in the second one? Well, it's an
5: interesting interesting thing because the franchise actually goes off into all different um, sort of uh, diversions and and timelines because you had originally number one and then they did a direct-to-video part two and three with like Burt Reynolds and they were shit. But then they did a theatrical... Hang on, a
4: a sequel with Burt Reynolds in a bit part is shit? Uh, I don't understand. I don't know how you can say that. (laughs) (laughs)
5: <laughs> and then they did an official sequel to the theatrical film, which was The Return, which had Van Damme come back. Yeah. And then they decided that, okay, if we're going to move forward, we have to ignore that timeline. So they just completely removed that from the canon and move forward with the others. So it's like Halloween. There's so many different ways you can go.
4: Yeah. Now, my favourite is when they remove, is when they decide that one isn't part of the continuity anymore and they completely retcon yep. it in the next one. And you're like... You're making these things on a budget of five hundred thousand dollars, like, and you can't think of a good enough idea to keep it in the like. But yet, your, you know, part four is far superior to part three. So we're going to pretend that part three didn't happen. Like, just roll with it, man. Pisses
5: me off. Pisses me off. To no end. (laughs) Okay, so then a couple of others. We had best of the best, which you know I think is an interesting franchise. I think part three and four are far better films than part one and two, but they're not
4: anything alike. No, they're fantastic. the 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 first two films of the franchise. Well, the first one is like literally a USA Olympic martial arts team fighting the Korean martial arts team, yep. uh, which is fantastic. And of course, there's all sorts of weird interpersonal stuff uh, going on. Then the second one, they bring back pretty much all of the main cast members. I think except maybe one. One, or, I think the the hippie guy doesn't come back. Uh, for the second one, and that turns into a weird death sport, like a kumite type thing in Vegas. Where, and spoiler alert: stop listening if uh, you really want to check out best of the best two. <laughs> Chris Penn gets gets killed, uh, yep. and then, and then number three, it's just Stephen Ray, or re just going off, just going back to his old hometown. Where Shooter McGavin is the is the local <laughs> cop, and Gina Gashon is like a, a school teacher and yep. fights like neo-Nazi Ku Klux Klan members who have decided to take over the town, yeah. Uh, because for no real other reason other than they are what they are, and yep. th- you know, and they're <laughs> the ending is amazing, but their allegiance to their cause at the <laughs> ending. It just proves to be so lackluster. It's 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 an amazing (laughs) piece of trash. I I do I thoroughly enjoy it. But three is nothing, nothing on four, which is possibly the greatest the greatest of these movies I've I've ever seen. The greatest uh, DTV action movie. Like it's got it's got an amazing cast. It's it's uh, Philip Ree. The Ernie Hudson turns up as an asshole cop. Like a real asshole cop, and let me tell you, this guy—I have to check the age—but this guy looks younger in this than he did when he was in Ghostbusters. But, uh, Tobin Bell is like the Russian villain. Uh, Chris yep. Lemon plays a cop. Uh, Paul Gleason, who people uh, may remember as uh, Beekman from Trading Places or the uh, the teacher from uh, Breakfast Club, is a priest. Who's in it for, for five minutes? <laughs> Art LaFleur, who plays like the Tooth Fairy in uh, the Santa Claus movies, is a convenience <laughs> store owner. Svenol Thorson, who was in just about every Arnie movie, who's like he's the security guard in Running Man and stuff, he's in it as one of the thugs, and he's like a real weird wimpy thug too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like this amazing, amazing cast, and it, this time it's all about like they've the bad guys, Tobin Bell, they rob a. A, a paper truck because it carries all the paper that prints the money. And then, but somehow someone steals like the, the, the print file with the, with the oh. code for the, so the money is completely legit and slips it into, into Philip Ray's pocket. Um, Mate. Mate, it is it is a it is
5: an exceptional little franchise. And I love that Philip Baretti gave himself that sort of, you know, Rambo style slow motion swagger into town with his sunglasses on and his singlet and yeah. leather jacket over his shoulder.
4: And that's the amazing thing between part part two, part three and part four is that part three, he's visiting his sister and her kids, <laughs> and he's a yeah. single guy. And then by the time part four comes on, and it looks like he's aged not at all, he's got like a four-year-old kid, his <laughs> wife has died of some horrible disease, and he's like doing the single dad thing and training the police force. He's gone from, he's gone from a like a, a kind of a, a hobo in the, like just wandering, like like he's like Lorenzo Lamar in uh, in uh, uh, the Bounty Hunter TV series, where he's just wandering the road like like is is like the samuel jackson character in pulp fiction after he leaves because after he stops uh, uh being a hitman and just wanders the earth going from town mm-hmm. to town solving crimes and then next thing you know he's like a you know he's based in a city he's teaching the police uh martial arts and the, by the way the police think it's they don't understand why they're learning it. like this is in what 19 was it 1998 and the police yeah. in this movie are still like, "Why are we learning martial arts? Like, what people use guns, right? Like they haven't <laughs> like Bruce Lee and Vang them never existed, so they have no idea the value of head to head combat." Uh, it's 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 just a, it's an amazing <sighs> franchise.
5: I'll tell you what, dude. Let's um let's let Guillermo have a run at the mic, and then we'll just come right back and keep talking about this because this is fun.
6: What's happening, everybody? Guillermo here from ScreenRoam.com again. Happy to be back on Good Movie Monday. Let's talk a little bit about what we've covered on the website in the past week. Starting off with some celebs that have been hit by coronavirus. Dwayne Johnson and his entire family were diagnosed with coronavirus. Dwayne Johnson took to social media to reveal that he and his family all contracted COVID-19 from very close family and friends. In a solemn 13 minute and a half video, the wrestler turned Hollywood superstar shared their diagnosis and how the virus has affected the family for the past two and a half to three weeks now. As for the symptoms, The Rock said that his two little girls experienced sore throats, but said it was a little bit different for both he and his wife. He said, I quote, we had a rough go. There is however good news. Johnson said that he and his family are now doing well and are no longer contagious. Robert Patterson has tested positive for coronavirus as well, prompting the Batman to suspend filming. And just a few days after the Batman went back into production in the United Kingdom, Warner Brothers first confirmed that production was being halted after a crew member tested positive, and then Pattinson himself. It remains to be seen how long production will have to be going on hold for, but apart from that, Wishing Pattinson and everyone else on that set all the best. Sounds like a bit of a recipe for a fun action thriller here. Gerard Butler and Frank Grillo will be starring in Cop Shop, a feature from director Joe Carnahan, whose credits include Narc, and Aces, The Great, and The A-Team. The film will see a small town police station become a battleground between a professional hitman, played by Butler, a smart rookie female cop, and a double-crossing man, played by Frank Grillo, who seeks refuge behind bars with no place left to run. The Rookie Cop has yet to be cast. In a statement, Grillo and Carnahan said, We feel that this is a movie that can play big globally, but be made sensibly, and we are always looking for this type of elevated genre where the writing really drives the action and the drama. Filming on Cop Shop will begin in Georgia and New Mexico this coming October. Lockstock Stock and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch director Guy Ritchie is set to reunite with Jason Statham on a Miramax spy thriller called Five Eyes. The film will see Jason Statham playing an MI6 agent called Orson Fortune, how cool is that name, who is hired by a global intelligence alliance called Five Eyes to track down and stop the sale of a deadly new weapons technology threatening to disrupt the world order. He's reluctantly paired up with a CIA high-tech expert called Sarah Fidel, And he sets off on a globe-trotting mission to find a billionaire arms broker and infiltrate his inner circle. The script will come from Ivan Atkinson and Marn Davies, who both work with the filmmaker on The Gentleman. That about does it for me, guys. And of course, rest in peace to Black Panther star Chadwick Boseman, who passed away in the past week, gone much too soon at the age of 43. Thanks so much. I'm out.
5: Okie doke. So, dude, there are so many more to consider. I think the award for the longest string of installments would probably have to be a tie between the Bloodfist series with Don the Dragon Wilson, (laughs) and the series in question today, Sniper, which they both have eight installments. But then, if you include both factions of the Delta Force series, there's eight of those too.
4: Yeah, Delta Force is a weird one. Like that one started. the, The amazing thing about Delta Force, and it is a canon film. So, and Cannon's motto was "Yesterday's stars at, at, uh, today's prices. So, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was Chuck, it was an old Chuck Norris. I mean, he was actually, he was probably the most reasonably aged, but a really old Lee Marvin who looked like he was, you know, about to keel <laughs> over and die. Like he was doing all these black ops kind of stuff when they bought boarding the plane and stuff like this yeah. guy can't, it's like watching, it's like watching, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what's it? James Garner run in, uh, Rockford Files, when you know that he's had like a major back injury and can't move. We and you're have, like, why are you making him do this?
5: We have had that conversation at least three times on it's this show. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but it's an amazing, and you know, look, I do I do love seeing Robert Forster play an Arab terrorist. Yeah, but I
5: mean, by the time you get to number three, Chuck had stepped away um, because there was an accident on the set of part two where a stuntman died, so he didn't want to come back. So instead, he sent his son along,
4: Mike Norris. Mike Norris, right? star of Survival and, Game.
5: Well, this Delta Force three, I I really like it. It's got it's like the Expendables on a budget because you've got all these sons or brothers of famous people. So you've got like Michael Douglas's brother Eric Douglas, I think, is his name. Um, right. Got, the one is, he, is
4: this the one that this isn't no, it's his son that that died of the overdose, isn't it? Yeah, you got Nick Cassavetes his, is in there. Uh... Right.
5: Like it's just yeah, it's just like. What about uh, is there a
4: Don Swayze or uh, Joey Travolta? <laughs>
5: There may Surely be, but if you were to put if you were to put all of their surnames on a poster, it would look like the biggest star bloody studded lineup ever. And then in really fine print, you've got their real the, the Christian their names. First names
2: yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but then after that, the series went to um, T V land and became Operation Delta Force. And there were five of those.
4: Right. Made for T V. Yeah, look, I, yeah. I I have to be honest. That, that series was one that I could never really get into. I did like the first one, and I never followed through had, with the rest I of them. The right. But I mean, I do find it amazing that, like, Delta Force are, you know, the U.S.'s kind of – they're like the Navy SEALs. They're the best of the best yeah. kind of thing, and yet in that first movie, it's all populated by people over the age of 50.
5: Yeah, <laughs> right. uh, but you know what? I mentioned Blood Fist. There's a funny one because I think the first two films were, like, back-to-back, you know – sequel but then number three through to eight it stars don the dragon wilson in every installment but playing a different character and a standalone story
4: well that's i mean the amazing thing about bloodfist is that don the dragon wilson like kind of mark takoskis is who you get for part three and four of a franchise very rarely (laughs) is he the star of part one or part two (laughs) and so of course he's there up to eight like why wouldn't he be what else is he doing (laughs)
5: But he 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 started the franchise in the first place. Like oh, it almost yeah, totally. felt like number one was like a bad
4: sequel. Yeah, like number one. Basically, it's like a kind of a is a blood sport. It's that kind <laughs> of uh, like that kind of a, a rip off kind of movie. Like he's a yeah, look. or like um, was it Karate Warrior or any of those like yeah. You know. <laughs>
5: I, I revisit Blood Fist every so often. It's another case of me wanting to like something that's just never going to happen. And, like, I'll just pick an installment and put it on, and it's just so woeful.
4: Like, I only found out about it, like, I'm going to say, well, 10 years ago probably uh, now, but, like, kind of late to the party of, of the Blood Fist party. Like, i had never heard of it before, and I was like, how, how could this exist? And I haven't heard of it. Yeah. and I, I put the first one on I think I, I, I picked it up on DVD from borders that's how that's how long ago this was mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I remember thinking Jesus this would, this could be great if only they had a budget and a script <laughs> yes. you know and someone who knew what they were doing behind the director's chair it was uh, yeah but like I love the title and the, but for some reason the title always made me think of uh, you know in community where they talk about kick puncher. Like
5: I remember, th- <laughs> it sounds like a really forced name, like trying to just yeah. make it like associate it with bloodsport, but like fist of fury, like trying to get in there with some kind of
4: amalgamation yeah, I, of titles. Like, it's like a it's like a parody. It's like yeah. the title you'd give to a parody <laughs> of of uh, bloodsport.
5: Yep. All right. So how about this? I'm gonna I'm gonna list um, some more franchises. Feel free to come back to any of them at the end. Uh, just some great DTV fodder for us. You got missing in action. Iron eagle death race turbulence never back down American ninja no retreat no surrender cyborg trances the marine escape plan 12 rounds any of those stand out for you or perhaps you've got some more to add
4: uh well look um, you know American ninja can't go past American ninja it's good stuff uh, that is one of the classics and I, I can't, like I completely forgot that there was a part 5 Part four, I think. Part four took me by surprise, and then I found out there was a part five, and I remember being Which is a a
5: standalone film. That's Which a standalone is a standalone film, yeah, because yeah. part
4: part four is the is part four. Or part three, the first one that David Bradley comes into it, and but Michael Dudikoff and Steve James are still. Steve James a, kind of sticks around for quite a while in the franchise. Yeah, because it's, like
5: it's like a crossover. It's like a hand-in of the baton, wasn't it?
4: Uh, yeah, that's, that was the idea, which which I remember thinking was basically the same as, and I can't remember now if you just mentioned this in your list, but Highlander, uh, yeah, where they did d- the Adrian Paul and, uh, yeah. and uh, Christopher Lambert. They kind of hands it off, hands off the franchise. Then it doesn't do so well, so, the, so it skips a film, <laughs> and then they kind of come back to try and... You know, and I mean, I I remember like the funny thing about with that American Ninja was that Michael Dudikoff, who had by that stage, I believe, had already been in things like Bachelor Party and he was supposed to be canon Spider-Man and stuff was actually like a pretty decent actor. And yet in American Ninja, the performance he delivers is almost catatonic. Like the action scenes (laughs) and stuff are great, but the actual parts where he has to deliver dialogue are horrendous. And it's like he's got no personality, but then you see him in other stuff and you're like. So, so someone's kind of playing funny buggers with him, and that's why I think you know he kind of compl- thought that uh, Canon were destroying his career, and yeah, you know, <laughs> like it's no no surprise. But uh, I mean, look, part two for me is the best of that of, of that franchise when they're the Marines are all wearing like pink crop tops and you know going is, surfing, and none of them are uh, actual yeah. Marines. And so, is it Rick Rossovich is in it? Number two is the one where they go tropical, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because where else? Like that, but they all like. <laughs> never mind that ninjas are Japanese. Like, let's forget, <laughs> let's forget that that uh, you know thing. <laughs> because really, we all know that the Philippines is the home of uh, ninjutsu in uh, the American Ninja franchise, and that's where all of these movies seem to take place. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure the fact that shooting there was super cheap has nothing to do with wow. it.
5: I have a, I, I, I can relate to that a little bit with my recommendation coming up later in the show. Anyway, I think it's um, it's time that we let the Bonehead Weekly guys do their thing. And this week, they're going to be discussing overrated directors. Um, so that's going to be fun and I uh, wonder who they're going to choose. But anyway, we're going to also hear a tune that is most definitely of its time and as equally hilarious as it is awesome. And then, of course, after that, Chad Michael Collins will be up... In a few minutes, he'll be talking about the Everlasting Sniper franchise, so stay with us.
7: Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size Edition.
3: Today, we're going to talk about the world's most overrated directors. Uh, So I'm picking Zack Snyder, who has done maybe one and a half good films, and the rest are trash. And I'm sorry, fans, I don't need to see a Snyder cut of Justice League. I have seen Superman Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. And both were trash movies. And we don't need to see Zack. I am tired of Snacks. Zack Snyder's vision. I'm tired. You've never been tired of snacks in your life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, I just feel like Zack Snyder is overrated. Uh, I don't understand what his vision is or what his movies are about. And half the time, they don't make any sense. What's his good movie other than Dawn of the Dead? Dawn of the Dead with a half a, I'll give him a half a point for Watchmen.
7: Yeah, he got about a half of it right. Yeah. You get about half of it right. It's tough though. I'm, and if I'm, any give, if if I'm, any if, a big wide berth and I always have with Watchmen because you either do it and embrace it, or you do it and embrace it and change the whole setting and basically make it as a sequel, which is what they did for HBO. Which is, is
3: right and works way better than works. the actual Watchmen The only thing great about the best thing about the Watch movies, is Jackie Earl Haley. Uh,
8: the casting is pretty good on that
3: movie. Yeah.
8: Uh,
7: casting's third good. Mine is gary marshall really marshall has made more just saccharine shit
3: (laughs) now i agree with you all
7: ever ever did gary marshall step outside of the box and try to make something interesting
3: yeah the the uh the every year doing a a movie based on a holiday based on a bullshit hallmark holiday
7: yeah now and that's the later part of his career i know i'm talking about the directors Did he produce some great television? Yes. Did he make billions of dollars at the box office with Pretty Woman and what have you and the princess, Diarrheas? Absolutely. Is he a great influence? Was he a funny man? These are all true. I'm not arguing. I'm talking about the filmmaker, Gary Marshall, is completely overrated. He gave me one movie, and now I watched it a couple years ago, and I don't love it as much as I used to, called Nothing in Common with Tom Hanks and Jackie Gleason that I like quite a bit even though the ending of that even is just a little too much. Gary Marshall is an overrated director.
3: Yeah, the only, uh, the only uh, movie that gets a pass for me that Gary Marshall did was Overboard.
7: Okay, I like Overboard. Does that save
3: me from no, ever no, no. bullshit? Oh my God,
7: it's Love Day the
3: movie. Fuck him. Dear God gets <laughs> half a point. So like like uh, like Watchmen, Dear God gets half a point for me. James, what do you got? No, no, we got Greg Kinnear.
8: I'm going to talk about a a person because you all want most overrated director. This is a person that offends me. They get to use the term director, and I and I've just found out he's got three films that are coming out this year. I thought we got rid of him. I thought he was going away, and that is chaos. Chaos directed or showed up to set. Is he
7: overrated? I don't know anybody that's going. X versus Sever. That was amazing.
8: Maybe (laughs) they gave him three movies.
7: Glenn likes a lot of shit.
8: They gave him three movies this year. And here's actually what makes me upset about it. this is a quote from here, him. It's two separate issues. As with most films I've been doing for the past few years, I'm just a hired hand. That means I don't have any real input in the key issues that go into being a director. That's probably true. Then why are you signing? But you know what I'm saying? Like, it, don't you need to? Well, I get that. And by the way, I would be a hack director, too. I'm not getting three movies this year. I mean, say what you will well, about well, Gary Marshall. It's not
7: over yet.
8: I, yeah, Well, I mean, it, they're probably not all going to come out this year if I get three pictures. You're going to have a hard time shooting them in our current COVID environment. But I, I think that's, say what you will about Gary Marshall, but he can frame a shot, and even though it may be Love Day, at least you go, oh, okay, you can tell me the plot. Uh, I saw Ballistic, Ballistics X versus Sever in the theater, and I've never actually wanted to walk out of a movie more in my life. Um, this is a terrible film. And and it, the the directing does not help. Like it could have been okay Sunday afternoon action film. It is not. And if anybody's offended by that, Joe's fault.
7: No, I think you picked the less controversial yeah, yeah, of yeah, the yeah, three no. of us. Pretty I don't much all of, his like
8: go, all of his movies suck. Who's that hip talking shit about chaos? I don't know. I don't know. Some people like The Driver. Have you seen The Driver? No, and I don't no. plan the on it. The Driver is about a guy that has to drive during the zombie apocalypse.
7: Well, at least it's not the red violin. And thank you so much for tuning in to Boney's Weekly yeah. Fun Size.
9: I'm moving ahead, constantly driven. My heart's torn deep. I feel so tormented to see familiar eyes. In a picture My brother's eyes My brother's eyes Will I be broken? Will I heal with time? Where will I be When the last man dies? When the last man dies Suns will set and suns will rise But I still see my brother's eyes And suns will rise. But I still see my brother's eyes. Suns will set. And suns will rise. But I still see my brother's eyes. Suns will set. And suns will rise.
5: How's that for a splash of nostalgia? Probably even good for a giggle. That song was My Brother's Eyes by Eric Barnett from the hugely underrated 1992 film Kickboxer 2, which was, of course, directed by our good friend Albert Pune. It's also one of my favourites of his 50-something films, and if we're lucky, we will have the pleasure of chatting with the entire movie's cast on the show sometime soon. But speaking of movie tough, guys, right now we've got the star of the recent new release, Sniper Assassin's End, which is the kick-ass eighth instalment of the ever-popular Sniper franchise. He's also one of the lead stars from Call of Duty Modern Warfare. I'm talking about Chad Michael Collins, who is on the line right now. Hey, Chad, how are you, mate?
10: (laughs) I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Let me just... Let me just set the record straight. I'm a pretend tough guy at best.
5: <laughs> well, we'll get to the bottom of that in a moment. <laughs> but thanks thanks for crashing the show today. As an unapologetic fan of the Sniper films, it's a huge pleasure for me to be talking with you.
10: Well, thank you, man. I, I, uh, I really, really appreciate that. And uh, I don't know if you're a, a gamer as well, but, uh, you know, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, and uh, Sniper are just really fun feathers in my cap that seem to kind of intersect in a weird way. So it's uh, Brandon Beck, they certainly Alex, do. Echo 31. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun.
5: So right off the bat, I have to ask this question first. How the hell does an eighth installment of a franchise, how, how is that also the best of all the sequels?
10: <laughs> I don't know, man. I uh, I always make the joke that we're 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 trying to keep pace with the Fast and Furious franchise and just see how long we can go. <laughs> who, who can out- you know, who's got the biggest gas tank, metaphorically speaking? Um, but uh, yeah, we've been around for a long time, man. Twenty five years, you know, plus at this point. And uh, Sniper Assassin's Den was re- really fun because it felt a lot different than any of the seven that came before it, and kind of taking things off in a new direction, which you know, it's always, always welcome. You know, anybody can just kind of crank out endless, mindless sequels, but uh, I really love this last one because it did seem to have a totally different style, tone, feel, you know, subject matter, that sort of stuff. So, you know, hopefully um, we, we keep going in that direction.
5: Yeah, well, I think there's sort of a back to basics thing going on about it. You know, all of that, the political tangles have been stripped away and I think it kind of returns the series to its rough and tough origins.
10: Yeah, we um. That was one of my favorite things about this last one is we got back to the the dirty fighting. You know, we got back to the hand to hand stuff. We um. You know, I mean, the movie's called Sniper, right? We're gonna have guns. <laughs> We're, there's gonna be shit <laughs>
2: there's
10: gonna be all sorts of that action and that drama. But uh, I really loved uh, getting, like you said, rough and tumble with uh, with this last one, Sniper: Assassins End. You know, a lot of fight scenes, a lot of hand to hand stuff. Really, really, really fun choreography that we had sprinkled throughout the entire movie for all the actors and all the cast so you know i mean that's what you sign up for right you want your popcorn you want your fists flying you want the bullets flying and i i thought we delivered really well on the the last one with all that
5: damn straight couldn't agree more and i do want to talk more about the movie but first i want to go back to your first entry in the series which was the fourth film reloaded and i think reloaded was a really appropriate name because you know it revived the series I think part two and three at that time for all their merits felt like DTV fodder, whereas reloaded felt as though it could have played theatrically at the time. If it had have come maybe at a different moment in time, it could have played at cinemas. How did you land the lead in, in this previously established franchise?
10: Uh, I did a, um, a movie, uh, an Oscar winning film actually called Lake Placid Uh, uh, two. It was one of my first kind of big breaks, you know, playing a lead role. And, um, uh, that was kind of a sci-fi channel, you know, NBC Universal sort of production that they did with Sony, and uh, the producer of that movie was a, a a great guy, and he had always wanted to reboot the, the Sniper franchise, you know, it had been kind of just collecting dust, you know, after after Sniper 2 or Sniper 3, it had been years since they'd done another one, so he, he originally came back to me because he liked what I did in Lake Placid 2, and he he had this kind of origin story in mind, where I would play a young Tom Berenger in uh, Vietnam, Vietnam flashbacks and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. that idea got scrapped, and and you know, a few years after that, I heard back from them that they were just going to reboot the whole thing and see how it did. And that was um, I was lucky enough to to stay in his mind as a kind of a young version of a Tom Berenger in that way, and 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 looked enough like him to play his son. So I'm very very grateful for you know Sony thinking of me in that way. And that was, um, that was a blast, you know, and I got on a plane to South Africa and we shot Sniper Reloaded.
5: Amazing. And how do these franchises work? Like who decides that it's time for another installment and they, and how are they written? Are they retrofitted spec scripts or are they commissioned specifically for the series?
10: Uh, You know, that's um, above my pay grade. (laughs) The (laughs) The Sony overlords, you know, do all that sort of stuff behind the scenes. I just tend to hear from them when they're ready to spin another one up. And it's always a really wonderful phone call, to get uh that we're gonna be back in the saddle because you know as you know like long-running franchises there's no guarantee you're gonna keep going so there's a part of you that hopes you do but then there's other part of you and be like wow this could be the end of the ride and i could just never hear from them again you just never know how it's going to play out so it's uh like i said it's always a welcome call and an email uh very very exciting to hear when we're going to spin another one up and i hope that i keep getting those calls
5: I was about to say, there must be no hesitation whatsoever when they call.
10: Not at all. I mean, I, I just, I grew up with G.I. Joes. I grew up on 80s and 90s action films. So, you know, and I remember the first Sniper. I grew up on the first Sniper movie. I remember that iconic opening with Tom Berenger rising out of the shrubbery with a ghillie suit and the chopper touches down. And, and uh, that was very formative <clears throat> to my like movie going experience, you know, back in the day. So it's just kind of surreal to wrap your head around. Me being a part of you know five of these movies, playing Tom Berenger's son, it's it's a really fun full circle uh, journey for me.
5: Oh, absolutely! I think um, and one thing is about the show that we um we host here is that we are all about retro, eighties, nineties sort of you know action movies or genre films, if you will. So I think you know, we're, we're the kind of people that keep this um, franchise going, I think, you know, the people that love the, the 80s and 90s. Um, what do you think it is about the Sniper series that keeps it so popular after so many installments?
10: Uh, I think that, you know, there is there's a bunch of things, you know, it is, like I said before, it's it's a popcorn movie. It's fun. You kind of, it's as advertised, right? If the movie's called Sniper. You know what you're going to get. and um, And if we can kind of surprise and delight you with a few of the other things we throw in there you know, that that leaves for a, a satisfied customer, you know, and we've always been able to put together pretty good casts. It's always nice to have Tom and, and or Billy back in the fold. These kind of that touch of nostalgia going back to the original movie as well. So um, I don't know, man, I, I really, I feel like um, those lower budget action movies always find an audience and I'm so appreciative of that. And, you know, people around the world tend to gravitate towards uh, America and military and stuff like that. They just kind of love those stories and everything else that, that, that the feedback that I've seen is those stories are always really popular all around the world, you know, and, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. So, uh, you know, I guess you'd have to, to ask the audiences what they love most about it, but I'm glad they keep coming back for whatever reason they have
5: yeah for sure is there a crossover with the um the modern warfare audience and sniper do you find there's the you know same people you know
10: what i i have you know this past year i really i had a lot of uh, people who love call of duty it's such a massive you know action game franchise and uh, they discovered that i played alex echo 3-1 so they actually started looking into you know the tv and film work that i did and they all started watching the sniper movies and were very 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 happy and pleasantly surprised by watching them. And then I had a lot of sniper fans pick up Call of Duty the game and see what this is about. So it's really, really fun to to see that crossover, to see people kind of uh, enjoying, you know, if you like that kind of entertainment, you like that kind of entertainment, whether you get it in a video game or a movie or a television show. So, you know, those are my, uh, you know, it's funny because actually I've been streaming on Twitch and I had <laughs> done Alex's army and it's just, you know, they are my army, man. And I, I appreciate the heck out of them.
5: Oh, that's classic! Awesome, and all throughout the series, uh, Tom Berenger and Billy Zane have only ever crossed paths once in Ultimate Kill. Uh, what's the story there? Did they hate each other, or was that sort of budgetary?
10: I gotta be honest, you know, working with both of those guys because I had worked, you know, with Billy on Sniper Reloaded, and the next one, Sniper Legacy, I worked with Tom, and and then you know, so they kind of trade off back and forth, and to have them both reunited and on set. Um, they had nothing but love for each other, man. We had a blast,
2: you know, and they were reminiscing, <laughs> awesome. they
10: were sharing stories of their original experience. I thought Sniper Ultimate Kill was was even better because both of them got to share the screen a little bit and appear in the same movie, you know, after 25 years or something like that. So uh, it definitely wasn't a dance where they were avoiding each other. They definitely like each other very much and they had a blast filming that um, Filming that particular movie so you know it's always a weird dance of schedules and budget and everything else to try and get the actors that you actually want to be in these projects and I think it's it's been nothing more than that over the years but I was super happy to have them both back in the fold and you know behind scope as they say yeah
5: uh, (laughs) talking the lingo mate (laughs) (laughs) so you have a really good rapport with both of them on screen is it do you have a good rapport with them off camera
10: I love them both, man. We, uh, we always have a blast. You know, Tom's got, he's an iconic actor. You know, he's been in so many great movies that I grew up with and and still continues to do great work to this day. So I just love hearing his stories. Um, You know, you can learn a lot from those legendary actors just by listening and and taking all that in. And, uh, and Billy's just, he's just such a fun, charming guy. He's got a wicked sense of humor. It's all laughs, you know, before action, and After Cut, it's all just a clown show, man. It's so We have so much fun. And I, I love them both dearly.
5: Well, they're physical movies too. And I apologize if this is a really typical question, but how much of the stunt work is yours?
10: Uh, I do as much as they let me do. And they usually don't have a problem letting me do most of it. <laughs> so uh, I would say across all the franchises, 95% of that stuff is me. Um, there are a few wow. few, few scenes and a few memories where stuff is really kind of hairy, throwing me down a mountainside and whatever. They wouldn't let me do stuff like that. And I've always had really great stunt uh, men, stunt doubles to work with. But uh, I don't know. I, I feel like for editing purposes, for the finished product, if I can be in there as much as possible, it just lends to the realism. You know, you don't have to pull back into this wide shot where you don't really know who it is. Uh, and you're looking for the subtle differences, so I I like to offer that, and I I honestly enjoy it. You know, I, I really like fight choreography. It's a, it's a fun dance, and it's a kind of a, a a really it's a cool thing that I enjoy in my real life. You know, I used to to do a lot of MMA on the side, kickboxing, boxing, stuff like that. So it's just an extension of what I enjoy doing. You know, for fitness and as a hobby, anyway. So I I tr- always try to do as much as I I can, and they've been pretty good about letting me do that.
5: And what about uh, shooting? Did you have much experience as a as a marksman before getting into the series?
10: Uh, I wouldn't say you know I, I was a naturally gift, gifted crack shot, but you know I, gr- I grew up in the
2: countryside.
10: <laughs> I grew up in upstate New York, and um, you know I was no stranger to rifles, shotguns, you know, hunting with family and stuff like that. So I was always very comfortable and educated and knowledgeable about guns, you know, fr- from my you know. Boyhood years, basically. So, and I always try to get a little bit of extra hands-on tactical training, some stuff with the guns, you know, before I come in to shoot these movies. Work with um, really, really talented uh, vets, former vets, and um, people like that. So, I, I always try to, you know, add that extra layer onto my experience and my skill set, so I don't look like a complete buffoon on uh, on camera. So, (laughs) I'm by no means an expert, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, I guess, good enough to fake it.
5: Awesome. Well, finally, and it's probably the question everyone wants to know, is there another chapter on the way?
10: Um, if there is, again, I'm just, the uh, it's way below way above my <laughs> pay grade, man. I'm just a grunt.
2: <laughs> I
10: show, I, I'm like Brandon. I'm show, I show up where they need me and uh, I, I get boots on the ground and we, we take care of business. So uh, I don't have any intel on that, sadly, but I do think the last one was really well received. We had a great release, a great launch. It just uh, it's it's airing theatrically in japan right now i i'm, I'm pretty sure it just hit australia uh as well yeah. so i think that um you know if all indications point towards the successful release that i think it has been you know hopefully we can uh, we can get another one under our belts in 2021. Well,
5: I can't help but get a sense that it's it's probably been the most popular of the sequels so far. You know, it sort of seems to be out there a lot more prominently than the previous one. So, But to everybody listening, Sniper Assassin's End is now available on home entertainment, both physical media and digital. If if I haven't talked it up enough already, then go out and check it out and see what I'm on about. Uh, Chad, you've been an absolute rock star, mate. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to join the show. It's um, been a pleasure. Man, it's my
10: pleasure. And it's it's, it's a joy to hear that you, you dig the franchise and you really liked our last one. We're, we're proud.
5: of it yeah for sure and so you should be my fingers are crossed for a ninth installment but in the meantime take care mate all the best and thank you
1: thank you hey guys it's adam here from adam's just seen with another good movie monday recommendation this week i am going off brand and i am recommending a sports movie yeah that's right a sports movie uh even though i can look occasionally a bit jocular depending on how much i'm working out i don't like sports (laughs) i really i am a card carrying member of the nerd brigade but i like boxing movies uh and maybe it's because you know that you're stripping away all these kind of technicalities and rules and this and that and it's people just slugging it out and what could be more cinematic than that and for my money the best boxing film that has ever been made is Ron Howard's Cinderella Man and yes I have watched all the boxing films I get it Rocky uh, won best picture it's a complete classic Uh, Raging Bull is possibly Martin Scorsese's best film Uh, and look Scorsese's like right top two top three favorite filmmakers for me so that's saying a lot but look I think of that more of an exploration of masculinity and the Italian-American experience but if we're just going for pure if we're going just for bone-rattling intensity, Cinderella Man cannot be beat. And that's because Ron Howard here, who has always been a very talented and solid director, is operating at peak craft levels. Some people can complain about this movie and they can call it mawkish and they can think that it's a bit soppy. Um, But look, I'm a sucker for this. I like the human element. I like that it's set in the depression. I like Thomas Newman's incredibly emotional score. I like the fact that Rusty is almost in tears because he's thinking that does every battle is to keep his kids at home. Uh, he is playing a real life character here, obviously, uh, Jimmy Braddock, a guy who was uh, had a chance, blew it, down on his luck, got another chance, and did pretty well with that second chance. So look, sports movies, you know, it can be a bit formulaic and you can kind of know where, where they're headed. Um, but as I said before, Howard is operating on such a level of craft here that he makes it feel fresh. You know, I mean, every broken broken bone, every split eye, you know, every bit of spit that gets knocked out of someone's face, you feel it in this movie. So it was a little bit controversial upon release because, A, this is when Crow's brand was a bit low because he had thrown (laughs) a phone at someone, uh, and the title itself isn't great. You know, like, I mean, this is a comeback story and so that's hence why he was a Cinderella man. But, you know, you want to uh, you want to market a blood-soaked boxing movie to people, naming it after a princess. It's maybe not the smartest decision. So I think that that's why this film was never as successful as it should have been. Um, yeah, but track it down, check it out. And especially if you're into someone that likes revisiting movies and looking for certain sequences and craft, I just don't think anyone has ever put us in the ring. The way that Ron Howard does here. So five stars from Adam, five star Ross, yeah, for Cinderella Man. Check it out.
5: Earlier in the show, we played a TV spot from the 80s, and if you think you know what that movie was, then all you have to do is email me at glenn at First two correct winners will win two brand new releases from Eagle Entertainment. We're giving away copies of The Standoff at Sparrow Creek and We Die Young, both some... Uh, action kind of movies, I suppose you would call them. So be quick off the mark and send your answer to Glenn at glenn.fakeshamp.net and um, like I said, if you're the first two, you're going to win. Alright, now we recommend one movie each for you to check out and if you're keen, then we would love to get you onto these titles over the next week and hear your thoughts about them. You know, if we can manage to create a little movie club out of this, then that would be pretty cool. So maybe send us your feedback. We'd even get you on the show maybe to talk about these movies. So leave your opinions in the comments section of wherever you're listening to the show right now, whether it's on Facebook, Podbeans, iTunes, Spotify. I don't even know if they allow comments, but whatever the case, drop them. (laughs) Anyway, you went... No, I went first last... Who went first last week? You or me? I think you did. I think you went... I think... I know, I
4: think you did, but that's all right. Agree to disagree, but you go first. That's fine.
5: (laughs) Actually... (laughs) Because, yeah, you talked about roadkill last week, but that's fine. mate. You you do it. I insist. You go first.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Me go first. All right. Ladies first. I'm happy to take that position. Uh, I'm going to talk about a film. uh, It's relatively recent, probably the most recent film that I've uh, talked about on the show. It came out a couple of years ago. Uh, It's Gaspar Noé's uh, Climax, which I I absolutely loved uh, when it it got a brief theatrical here in Australia, thanks to Madman. And it's come out... Locally, it is available on DVD and, and HD in, in streaming formats. Uh, it basically, if you haven't seen this, it is a French film um, and it stars uh, Sophia Butella from uh, Atomic Blonde and uh, the Kingsman, first Kingsman movie and uh, a bunch of other stuff. She's uh, popping up in everything these days. Um, it's, it basically, it's this dance troupe a kind of rehearsing for their um, their big show and they're about to have their. I think it's their kind of Christmas breakup time. I think they're having a big kind of party just before the the um, the show starts. Not like the show isn't actually starting like that night, but you yeah, know, before they finish their rehearsals and the shows are ready to, to 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 launch, and they have a big party. And somebody spikes the punch with acid, and everything goes nuts. Like they turn on each other. They uh, people get killed. Like people dance like crazy, They're people are having sex with each other and then wandering off and having sex with other people and then other people are getting killed while they're having sex with people. It is this amazing mess of a film. And if you're like me and you do like a good choreographed dance sequence <laughs> uh, in in a film, then you will love the opening uh, 10 minutes of this. It is absolutely amazing. And it, like like all of Gaspar films, incredibly visual, um, a total kind of head fuck. Uh, and h- highly recommend. It.
5: Awesome. Well, you mentioned choreography there, so I can relate to that with mine because if you like a good fight choreography, I'm going to keep with the DTV action theme. And this week I'm going with Isaac Florentine's Ninja, starring Scott Atkins. And look, Laugh all you want, because I know this is a hokey movie, but damn if it's not a ball of fun. This one's like a real throwback to those Franco Nero style of ninja movies from the 80s, and it's like...
4: What, where the lead actors have never heard of ninjutsu? Well,
5: that's the only point of difference, but I mean, it's ultra violent, it's super stylish, and it's, over- um, it's overarching narrative is classic, it's the white guy raised by ninjas, Who's sent to America to protect a secret relic, and then a former student and rival from the dojo is the deadly assassinous villain, and and the two make it sort of they dance around each other for eighty minutes and you know fight, and it's kind of like a cheaper version of Ninja Assassin that the Wachowskis did. But look, <laughs> I I just think that Scott Atkins and Isaac Florentine are like a really formidable duo. Like their collaborations are always just rock and roll and. And like I said, they went on to make Ninja Two. They also made Undisputed Two and Three, plus Close Range. And I love watching their stuff. And look, this re- this recommendation should be taken with a pinch of cheekiness and viewed with loose expectations. There's no doubt about that. But you know, I've said this many times. People do laugh at me. I would love to see a James Bond movie with Scott Atkins as Bond and Isaac Florentine directing. Dude, that would make my day.
4: Look, <laughs> okay, it certainly can't be worse than the last. Oh, 30 years of Bond,
5: <laughs> man! Wait till Keith hears this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you've been you've been the
4: sin bin, mate. Oh, uh, look, people who like people who like the, the the latest the latest James Bond movies from Casino Royale onwards, like seriously, are the worst. Are the worst <laughs> kind of people. They have they have no soul. <laughs> If you think if you think those movies are good, then uh, my friend, you traded something to someone for something, and now electronic doors do not open for you. Your shadow does not show up on on, in, <laughs> on sunny days and uh, your reflection cannot be seen in mirrors. And just to, uh, uh... <laughs>
5: just to reiterate, this is Ben who loves best of the best three and four.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Those movies are all soul. They're all soul.
5: Oh my God. And just like that, the show was over. Well, you know. Ben, I had a ball with this one. DTV is my jam. I feel like I could relish in the
4: goodness of this for months on end. So thanks, dude. I have the feeling that I've just lost us a whole ton of <laughs> listeners. <laughs> well, by, <laughs> by my declaration of <laughs> disgust in the Bond franchise. I was about to say, <laughs> <laughs> I
5: was about to say thanks, dude. Always fun, but yeah. now you've just made me realise what you could have done. You've jeopardised the yeah. whole thing. That's right. (laughs) Sunk the boat. So, Ben, fuck you very much. Big ups to Jarrett, (laughs) Jamo, Adam, and the guys from Bonehead Weekly for their input today. Uh, Very big thank you to Chad Michael Collins for taking the time out to stop and shoot the breeze. I had so much fun with that. Um, He will be joining me on Tuesday night for a video round of Rapid Fire, so please make sure you like and subscribe us on Facebook and YouTube to see that one. Uh, We hope you enjoyed the show. We're going to leave you with another belter from the 80s action catalogue. This is a song called Fight to Survive by Stan Bush from the Bloodsport soundtrack. Hope you're ready for what a it. Banger, what a banger oh, of a track. Our old mate Brody's gonna love this one. Uh anyway. Kuma tay, kuma, tay. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you on the socials.
2: Sometimes it seems so hopeless. Oh I don't